welcome. I'm Emily Walborn. I'm not going harder. This and this is, is Happy Half Hour. Yeah, we're gonna review. Uh, we're reviewing all your favorite Asian American media. Absolutely. And today, that it doesn't stop. Yeah, it's It doesn't stop just because it's today. Just because it's today, a Tuesday, June doesn't stop it. Certainly not. Asian America rests for no one. Exactly. Crazy Rich rests for no one. We should exactly. Be. Yes. Crazy Rich Asians, a movie that both of us saw at all Asian screenings. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. That was, yeah, we saw it. I saw it with my mom in Seattle. Whoa. And uh, yeah, it was just packed. I mean, there were people like sitting on the floor Whoa. to watch it. That is awesome. I saw it with my Asian boss in LA. Nice. Asian people. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I will say. It. And then I think I went home to Montana and I saw it with, I took some of my white friends to go see it. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel the same. Really? They weren't yeah. laughing when At I was laughing. Yeah, yeah they weren't. Yeah. 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 Didn't feel the same. Definitely not. And I, re- I watched it again. I had a class with Jordan um, and we watched it at the end of the semester and I was one of the only Asian people in the class. And I was just like, I don't want to be the only one crying in the theater, okay? I want everyone to be crying. I (laughs) I actually need everyone to be Asian, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, when I watched it for this last night, I did still cry, even though it's, like, got to be, like, the sixth or seventh time I've seen it at this point. (laughs) And I truly am, like, the end when... They're at the party, and she sees Michelle Yeoh in the crowd. I just, like, lose it every time. It breaks. It just breaks me. Yeah. I love that moment. Yes. Yeah. It is a total, like, emotion-based movie. Like, obviously, there's plot. Obviously, there's plot. But, like, every single scene is about, like, someone not wanting to get their feelings hurt or someone hurting someone else's feelings. Yeah. Which is something that, you know, before Crazy Rich, we didn't think Asian people had as far as <laughs> movies and TV. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to talk about with this movie. I don't even know where to start. Um, we can just go chronologue. Let's do it. Um, I liked, so when it says, like, London... Um, or just, like, all of the different, like, uh, place titles. I wrote all the places I love down. those. I love yeah. those. The title, like, what I, what really gets me about this movie is how well shot it is. Mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for, like, a big budget comedy, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it looks beautiful from the title cards to, like, obviously that, wedding that like iconic wedding all of like i mean because it just has to be because of the lifestyle these people live yes and And because of the stakes of this movie like if they had blown this we would not have put asian people in movies after that and what really struck me this time when i was watching it is like how old hollywood it looks totally because that's and that's what the director john m chu what he what he wanted he was like i want to show them you know show show people that this is what old hollywood would have been if you had cast asian people wow 
and so that's kind of the lens he was he was working through when he was shooting it and directing it and i think you really get that definitely in that opening sequence and i think it really like solidifies when we meet the other when he's talking about the other cousins Mm -hmm. and it's like that shot of Gemma Chan going through, like, oh, she's like Audrey Hepburn walking through the yeah. to the jewelry <laughs> vault or wherever she's going, and like the yeah. director cousin, mm-hmm. and we're cutting to him, and it's like this old classic movie set he's on. It's yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, and I also think you know, old Hollywood is the last era where we had Asian American stars. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. It is beautifully shot. It, like it, it's extraordinary and like above and beyond because it has to be. Like it has to be funny and big budget and also look interesting. What I loved about the the title cities was it was London and then New York mm-hmm. and then four Asian ones. It was like Hong Kong, Taipei, Beijing, mm-hmm. and like. Usually when you hear, like, major cities, it's only, like, New York, Paris, London, and then maybe Tokyo, like, one mm-hmm. Asian city and a bunch of European cities, and this one, like, and it made me be, like, I wish I knew the diff, like, I wish I knew what the difference in vibe between, like, Beijing and Hong Kong is. Yeah. But it was, like, such a reminder of just, like, guess what, bitch? There's a bunch of huge cities in, Asia- <laughs> in China alone. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. Like, literally, yeah, it was New York, London, and then four Asian cities, International Waters, Samsara Island, Rawa Island. Same number of islands as major white cities. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I loved that. Um, yeah, so that was good. I think this would be a good time to talk about the music also. Oh, the music is so good. I love it. The soundtrack is incredible. This the song that we start with. Yes. Like, that's playing on the quote of mm-hmm. from Napoleon. Napoleon, yes. Yeah, and then we kind of juxtapose it with this like really cool version of this song. Yeah, completely. And it remind like I've been watching Rami season two recently, and both seasons the soundtrack is really he just like um, whoever their like music producer um, is chooses a lot of songs that are in Arabic or are, for, like, um, all, all across genres. Like, they did, uh, I believe, an Arabic cover of I Will Survive, or they'll do, like, an Arabic kind of, like, Boney Bear-sounding song. Like, it's, like, modern and diverse music within, like, a culture. That's what this movie did. It had, like, you know, it would have, like, kind of a James Bond-sounding song, and then it would have kind of, like, yeah. a pop song, and then... And all of it was just, like, in Mandarin. Just yeah. to be like, hey, you know, the music isn't just going to be, like, an old-ass sounding, like, cello string deal. Like, it's modern music. Yeah. We have people doing all different kinds of music. We had, what, we had a Madonna song for the montage. We had Material Girl. What was yeah. the song at the wedding? That was that was sung in English. Um Oh, it was, but it was cool because you could see the artist there. Keenan Grannis, um, yeah. who was, like, all over YouTube when I was in middle school, also known as Asian Hollywood. True. Very true. Yeah. YouTube was. That was the only place Asian people could put out stuff. Yeah. 
And all of them were friends with each other because they had to be because there weren't any. Um, the wedding, I believe, was um, that Elvis song. That, that, oh, like, yeah, I can't help falling in love. Yeah, that's and what it was. yellow at the end. Yes. Which he had to write a letter to Coldplay to convince <laughs> them <laughs> to let him use it. Yeah. And he had to say why, like, why it was so important to, like, reclaim this word and, and use that song to do so. Totally. And I, it wasn't us. I liked the song and never thought of it as referring to Asian people because it didn't um, until after he said that. And I was like, wow, this is like one of many Asian American moments where there's this thing that like is like my cultural inheritance that I have not chosen to delve into because I didn't think it was like, I don't know. I feel like that is for many, like, people our generation who are minorities. We're like, oh, there's all this stuff that, like, is rich and is there if we, like, go look for it. And we just haven't started looking for it until very recently. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely. But between the Napoleon quote and the music, like, you can just feel that they're, like, this is Asian. This is Asian. I mean, we start with, like, we're starting and she's speaking in Mandarin. Yes, complete. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the quote um, for Napoleon being like, uh, basically, China's very powerful. Don't underestimate them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, okay, we get it. China isn't like worthless and useless. But, you know, in 2018, that was really necessary. I just was like, we've really moved forward a lot. And it also made me kind of sad how much like, like, they keep showing all these Asian guys and they're, like, washboard abs. And, like, you can just feel the desperation from the movie being, like, please, I'm begging you, see us as people. And yeah. people did after it, but, like, it feels heavy-handed almost watching it now. But at the yeah. time, it really didn't. It didn't feel like it, no. No. Yeah, I mean, geez, that cast, they, I mean, they were, like, we're pulling... Every hot Asian we can find from around the world into this one cast. Because, I mean, like, it's all of them. Yeah. I Let's see, what did I write when I was looking at all the people? I was like, good God. Look at all these hot Asians. And some of them were barely, like, the guy who plays, um, who's the cousin who's dating Kitty Pong before Jimmy O. Yang does? Whatever. Whoever that cousin okay. is. Yeah. So hot has like four lines, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Not in it very much, but yeah. I know the Asian guy from Riverdale auditioned and was not cast in the movie, but he was still like, "Go see it." <laughs> hey, sequel. Maybe he can get something. I wonder what the sequel will be like. It's been almost no two years. Almost two years. Three years. Well, this last, it was either this fall or earlier, this last fall, um, 2019, there was an issue with the script. Mm. And oh, Adele yeah. Lim, who was one of the co-writers of this movie, uh, backed out of the sequel because yes. she wasn't being paid the same right. as her co-writer. Yes, I forgot about that. That feels like 100 years ago. 
feels but, truly like a million years because every day is at least four years. Yes. <laughs> In 2020, every day is equals four years. Yeah. Um, it's a presidential term. It's truly. Uh, so I think that's probably one of the delays. That makes sense. Yeah. But I was almost like, maybe we don't need, like, I don't really know what the sequel would be. Obviously, I'll watch you- it and I'll be excited. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess it'll just be the adaptation of the second book. Yeah, but the books like really stray farther and farther away from Rachel and end up being more about Kitty, which is cool, but Really? I guess yeah. I haven't read those books yet. It like Rachel, yeah, is in it less and less and Kitty is in it more and more. That is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um Gotta love what Kitty Pong, I think is her name. Yeah, Kitty Pong, like, really, it's about her, like, rising through the ranks. And at first I was like, what? Why is she here? I wanted to be out Rachel. And then I was like, wait, I'm the family. I think she's low class, and that's why I don't want her to be here. <laughs> wow. Wow. Checking my privilege. So yeah. I don't know what they'll do. Um, oh, another thing I like from the opening scene is that the kids are, like, tracking mud and, like, being messy, which mm-hmm. is, like, right off the bat, breaking a stereotype about Asian kids true yeah and i mean like after that opening sequence with the hotel people that's the last speaking role a white person has in this movie like (laughs) three minutes in we're done with them um okay so then the next scene is rachel teaching her game theory class and even though they mention like i'm so chinese that i'm an economics professor like Mm -hmm. she isn't a good teacher She's a good teacher in, like, a dead poet society kind of way. She's, like, good yeah. because she's, like, not like most teachers. And I also realized, like, for how much the stereotype is that Asian kids love to study, you would think that I didn't have that many Asian teachers growing up. And I feel like I don't see that many Asian teachers on TV. Like, the stereotype doesn't seem to be that sure. people grow up to become teachers, given how much they have allegedly love school um <laughs> how much we are chomping at the bit addicted for to the a's the baby yeah <laughs> um i don't know why that is but i'm like i guess that is just like how much people don't see asians as leaders that were like <laughs> no i can only see them in the classroom as a student role yeah i guess i yeah i guess that didn't even register to me i guess because my mom's a teacher so Oh, well, I've there. always been like, well. Yeah. It, but in my, I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area where a decent amount of people were Asian, but the mm-hmm. only Asian teachers I had were for math or the Mandarin teacher who was Asian. Oh, well. Hmm. So. And all of our Spanish teachers were white, so could have just, you know. Yeah. The thing is, my mom may be the only, uh, non-white teacher in my city sure <laughs> so sure, 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 sure. <laughs> so yeah yeah but what i do think is interesting and what i think makes this such a a good movie on its own too <laughs> is that we really in this opening poker scene we're really setting up the theme that we'll return to in the final mahjong scene Mm-hmm. And which is when she says to her TA, he didn't play, he's not playing to win, he's playing not to lose. Oh. 
And yeah. so that's kind of the theme that I think we return to in, in the final watching scene when we get to it, we talk about it. But Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Theme stated in the first five pages of the script. Yeah. And I think not only a theme, I think a major theme in the movie, but it also is like, I don't know, it's kind of like a universal issue that the all of the characters like have to overcome in that in that climax in the Mashaan scene. So not just her but also Michelle Yeoh's character mm-hmm. is something they like have to live by and and yeah. return to. Um, yeah. because then I think when we then once we hit the scene where like she's shopping for a dress with her mom, we hit like another major theme there. Mm. But we can mm-hmm. get there when we get there. That is true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because also, you know, Henry Golding's character, Gemma Chan's character, all of them go through that same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think the next scene is they're in the. It's Rachel and Henry Golding in um, <laughs> Nick in the cafe, and they're eating white food, but they're talking about getting pork buns. Yes. Which like. Yeah, it felt like they were really hammering home, like, we're Asian, but we're also people. Yeah, and we're, we're you know, then we see Radio Asia hearing mm-hmm. about the, as him asking her to come home with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also such, like, a fun montage that, mm-hmm. like, yes, you would see a montage in another major comp studio comedy, but not in such a creative way okay. and, like, such an interestingly shot, like, fun, edited really well kind of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like... I'm just thinking of it because I watched it the other day, but, like, Pitch Perfect, it's it's not shot in, like, in this very specific way that John yeah. Andrews is, is shooting, you know? It's, yeah. like, that movie, it's, like, kind of a new... I feel like way of shooting studio comedies that's just like super bright, you know, pretty standard cuts of people's reactions and like, but lots of reactions. And, you know, it's like, I don't know why I'm thinking Mike and Dave need wedding dates as another example, but like that neighbors, you know, it's like these big studio comedies that are, are shot pretty similarly, Mm -hmm. but, and edited pretty similarly. Mm Mm-hmm. Not to yeah. say they aren't distinguished in their own ways, but I think there's just, like, a general look that studio mm-hmm. comedies kind of have developed. Mm-hmm. That this one not only breaks history records for its casting, but I think puts a new stamp on what a comedy could look like. Totally. And I think part of that is because they weren't afraid to, like... Like, that montage had, like, incorporated all these, like, little animations and stuff. Like, you can just tell that... They're, like, so excited to be, like, this is a movie. We're not on Netflix. We're not a TV show. We're not a YouTube video. We're not a one-act play that I wrote for my friends. Like, <laughs> on the big screen, they're, yeah. like, so joyously celebrating the fact that it is a movie. And they're not afraid to remind you that you're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And also that scene cast more Asian people than uh, Hollywood in the last hundred years. <laughs> there was so many people. So I like that. Um, and we've talked about this before when we saw the movie, but I like that, you know, Astrid and Rachel's mom are both incredibly warm, which isn't something that we, before this, really saw from Asian mothers or women or people. And that is, like, every, the first two times I saw this movie, Astrid being nice made me cry. (laughs) I know, my gosh, she's so good. 
Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, yeah, and I think what was interesting t- too about this movie is that Michelle Yeoh's character um, is very different than how she's written in the books. Mm-hmm. She is a lot like more on the what we typically see on screen for Asian mothers, mm-hmm. but Michelle Yeoh really fought to change that and kind of bring a different element to to Eleanor that wasn't just like she hated this girl who's trying to take her son away yeah. from her home. You know, it's like she knows she's like scared because she hasn't seen him in a long time and she's scared of losing him because she's put everything on the line for him, mm-hmm. like sacrificed him living with her as mm-hmm. a child so that mm-hmm. he could have a good life. Mm-hmm. And the idea of him leaving forever is like scary for her and I think she's totally acting out of more fear than just like a stereotypical protective mother kind of way you know yes totally and it also it's fear and it's also a complete love it isn't just like I want my son to succeed in his career or whatever she's like I want my son to be near me because I miss him and I love him Mm -hmm. and that's acting out of I want to spend time with my kid, which is somehow insanely breaking an Asian stereotype. (laughs) Somehow insane. (laughs) That's against our stereotype. Yeah. But so then after the big montage, we we cut to Michelle Yeoh and her friends are like, oh, did you hear about this, this girlfriend? And she's like, huh? (laughs) And so she calls him. And I love that, that it's like, literally minutes one minute yeah Yeah. (laughs) like they're still eating the same dessert yes and he's like what how did you know that we were just talking about coming home (laughs) and then we go to rachel getting dressed with her mom Mm -hmm. and that's what i i think that's this scene kind of sticks out to me as one where we do hit we I think we hit home like the major one of the major themes of this movie when she when her mom says to her, Your face is Chinese, you speak Chinese, but here you are different. Yes. Yes, totally. And I think that's like the crux of this movie is exploring the like feeling of Asian Americans not being part of the culture that they're from yeah yeah and that their constantly being told by their peers is their thing yeah but to people you know who are in asia we're like the outsiders yeah so it's like this in but like stuck in between an outsider in america outsider in asia yeah completely which i think is like a major identity theme that a lot of Asian Americans relate to. Yeah. And especially Asian Americans who who are around mostly white people, like we don't know who any of Rachel's friends are, but she grew up with her Asian mom. She has her Asian boyfriend and she has her Asian best friend from college. And she is still like, I am not Asian. I am American. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And in this theme too, I think we get some comments where I felt like they were they were kind of playing to a wider audience. Totally. Not totally like not totally walking them through and hand holding them, but like you know, comments like, Oh, you can't wear white and blue. That's a mm-hmm. funeral, you know, wear red, it's a lucky color. You know, kind of like a little bit of explaining, but not like let me sit you down and tell you. Yeah. Here are the rules of this, you know? Yeah. Yes. I agree. That and the, like, banana line. Both were ones where I was like, <laughs> this is for white people's benefit. And even, I don't think I caught this before, but when is like, yellow on the inside, white on the inside, Rachel's like, I know what a banana is. To be like, if you're in the audience and you didn't know, it's because you're white. <laughs> Did you know what that was? I did. Okay. See, I didn't know what that was. And that's the first time I heard it. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. I grew up around a lot of bananas. Fair enough. Yeah. Or we would say Twinkies also. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that's one of the, as one of the criticisms that I've read of this movie is that a lot of people feel like their white characters being played by Asian actors. Interesting. They're, they're not feeling like it's really representative of Asian culture because they feel like it was so, like, watered down for white audiences. Mm. But I, I, think, I think a little bit of that, though, is the immense pressure <laughs> that this movie was yeah. under. <laughs> Like, yes, every Asian from every country is like looking for looking at this movie. Like, I really hope it hits relates to me somehow, even though we're all like individual people with our own experiences. There's no way it can represent every single facet of being Asian American. Yeah. And I mean, there's not a single Japanese character in the movie. But we were both still like, this is my movie. Yes. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> yeah. Except for Araminta Lee is played by a Japanese. Half Japanese. She is. I am That's, true. That's true. She is. So, yeah, I just, just think, like, we everybody had their own expectations for the movie. And for some people, it didn't, it wasn't as, like, like hyper-specific as they wanted it to be, I think. Yeah. Well, listen, this movie, you know, it didn't have the chance to have as much nuance. It was the first and people were scared only movie there was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So then we go, we go to, they're on the plane. She finds out he's rich. We Mm -hmm. see Astrid. We see the cousin with Kitty. We see Mm -hmm. um, the Daily Show correspondent, I'm reading his name. Ryan Chang. Uh, Yes. And it's... Uh, all of those cut twos, I just think, are like so solidified the the style of the movie. Yeah, just so much fun to do like an ensemble cast like that. Just being like, hey, you need to learn who all these people are really quickly, and I don't want to hear you say you can't tell them apart. Yeah, exactly. They get there, they have a great dinner. Mm-hmm. They also that scene was so. <laughs> So good. Like, you see Henry Golding speaking all of these different 
Asian dialects and most people aren't jealous when other people can speak an Asian language. Most people only want to hear like French or Italian or some shit and like yeah. He's speaking all these cool ass languages so we can eat all this good ass food. And yeah. that was another scene where I'm sure if I were Singaporean I would be like duh street vendors but I'm not Singaporean so I was like this is really cool history and I'm glad it's being explained to me. Yeah. And what is actually interesting that I watched the DVD featurette, bonus featurette last night too. And (laughs) they said that this was Constance's first time going to Asia. And so they thought that that like added a really cool element to Rachel going to Asia, probably for the first time. Yeah. Add uh, to the, to the role. Totally. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, then they go to their dinner at... No, then they go to Pay Cleanse. Yes. So here we meet Aquafina. Mm-hmm. So, an <laughs> <laughs> incredibly valid critique of the film is Aquafina's... Uh, the way that she chooses to speak um, can be seen as pretty appropriative. Um, yeah, and from what I've read... Pretty much everybody in the black community agrees that she's appropriating their dialect and, and culture. And, yeah. And, and I think that's I fair. Yeah, I agree. I, at the time, was like, this isn't, this doesn't feel like how, yeah, it felt appropriative and has only felt more so as time has passed. And as people have pointed out, once she started doing like the farewell and other stuff, she has since dropped it. Kind of dropped the accent or just the, the that manner of speaking. Um, yeah. And people are like, cool, so you used it to get famous. And then once you, like, had what you needed, you you left it behind. It. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, look, I'll admit that when I first saw it, I was just, like, so excited that mm-hmm. there was, like, a super funny yeah. Asian woman that yeah. I was, like, I don't know about these uh, allegations, you know, but I, yeah, I 100% agree that this isn't okay that she did. And I think she does know <laughs> that yeah. she did it. And I think she, people are wanting her to like release a statement, just like admitting that she yeah. did it. And I think that's fair that she, sh- she okay. should absolutely acknowledge that that was the reason that she got famous. Yeah. And she was using it in this movie, playing it up. Yeah. And then in The Farewell, she doesn't do it at all. So I think... Because yeah. honestly, the I was watching for it last night, and there were times where, like, she doesn't use it. Mm-hmm. And I laugh. Those were all the funnier moments. Funnier parts. I don't know. Yeah. She didn't need to do it. Every time she did it, I was, like, a little uncomfortable. And it didn't make any of her lines funny. Like, she had so many... I hadn't watched it in a while, and I think I was expecting it to be more. I thought she was going to do it more, and she didn't do it as much as I thought she did. And every line she did not doing that, I was like, this is funny. Like, just do this. Yeah. And I think I read this article about this today um, (laughs) on Vice from Bettina uh, McElintal. So, Mm -hmm. sorry if I butchered that name, but um, she had a really good point. 
um, and she said, how much can Asian American representation really mean in the big picture when celebrating a face that looks like our own comes at the expense of other marginalized groups? Who else are we siloing into stereotypes as we, as Asian Americans, seek to break free of our own? Yeah. Which I think is really, I think is like the core of this argument against her. I think it's like, it's tough because we want, like I said, it's like so cool to see a like really funny yeah. Asian American woman. Yeah. And yet, there's this controversy around her that doesn't feel like I can fully support her because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is appropriating, and Asian American communities do have a history of totally appropriating Black culture, and we've benefited off of it yeah. just as a people yeah with our like mono minority myth yeah so totally. it, it makes it like such a historic controversy in a way I think completely and also like it detracts from what is otherwise an incredible piece of representation for our people and it's yeah. a bummer that there's this part that distracts from it of you know uh, a misuse of privilege yeah. or abuse yeah. of privilege yeah. yeah so obviously wish she hadn't done that but I know I know well, yeah let's, let's hope she says that she's open She the only thing she's really said about it is that she's open to having conversations about it um, mm. but I think I think she should just be listening to what people in that community are saying and telling her and she needs yeah. to just acknowledge that she's doing that and, yeah and, and she's already stopped like she didn't do it on snl she didn't do it in the farewell like mm-hmm. she's already learned that she doesn't need to do it so all she has to do is be like yeah literally just acknowledge it and maybe yeah. apologize yeah she knows she's doing i hope so mm-hmm. So let's hope she uh, acknowledges it in this yeah. statement. Yeah. There you go. That's all. Yeah. Okay, so um, they meet Piglin. We meet Ken Jong's character. <laughs> so funny. Ken Jong, see, yeah. The Ken Jong is so funny. The envelope joke. <laughs> yeah. The envelope joke does get me every single time. And every single time I've seen it with white people, they do not laugh. And I do think it's my one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, one of the most frustrating things about being what we are is I'm like, I have this wealth of knowledge over other people, and it has never once served me. It has never, no one's ever been jealous that I know this shit, and they don't. And right. And it only paid off once. So, love that. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> yeah. Listen, anytime I can explain a joke to people who don't get it, there's one joke in Avatar The Last Airbender, and there's one joke in Teen Wolf, the Japanese season. This is three times that I was able to, you know, sort of be glad that I was Asian. There's a uh, Japanese season of Teen Wolf? Yeah, the monster is a... It's called the Nogitsune. Um, It's a buck wild season they do a two episode arc that takes place in an internment camp because of course whoa um, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The Japanese girl, she, like, plays her mom when her mom was young. Because um, it turns out her mom, like, looks 40, but she's, like, really, really old because she's, like, magic. So she was interned. And it's about how she, like, fell in love with a white guard named Reese. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, the monster sometimes speaks Japanese. Um, and my friends would ask me what the monster was saying. And I knew. Oh, hell yeah. There you go. So wow, I truly am gonna have to watch that season. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I stopped watching after that, but I believe the season after that they had some kind of Mexican monster. Um, and I can only imagine how tasteful. <laughs> the show look, if that's like the class with the Japanese season, I'm sure it was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. Oh. Good stuff. Crazy stuff. Um, so then they go to the the big party, mm-hmm. and that that's where I noticed that Aquafina didn't really do the accent was in the car for a lot yeah. of it, and yeah. I thought that scene's really funny with her when she doesn't use it. Yeah, um, that scene also has the guards, um, and I think it's important to address that. Yes, uh, this movie got criticism for only focusing on the extremely wealthy of Singapore, um, which, you know, the point of the movie is it's about crazy rich Asians. And the point was to show like, there are these insane multimillionaires in Singapore. Um, However, and so, you know, and it isn't this movie's job to represent uh, every single culture within being Asian, but yeah, they kind of used uh, brown people as props in that scene, mm-hmm. which wasn't ideal. And I think in when they get into the house and then meet Eleanor, the people in the kitchen are also yes brown and yeah, just the way they use non non East Asian people in this movie mm-hmm. isn't good. I I don't think yeah, it just isn't like the the. This is a representation chance. Why is the representation that we want to be having power over darker people? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think that's, um, yeah, an important criticism of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I think it also, I was reading that, you know, there were no native, like, Singaporean accents, and mm-hmm. that it just kind of like added an element of like the colonization totally of singapore by these super rich chinese mm-hmm. people um to the film that maybe could have been avoided so uh, yeah yeah or like addressed in a different way perhaps yes. is a better way to put it so yes and i also think there's it's like a little bit sad to me that the thing that they wanted to be was like, hey, look, Asian people can be, like, rich and powerful just like white people can. That, like, that was sort of the approval that they were vying for. Yeah. But still, dope party scene, very cool food and clothes and, you know, ambiance. General vibes of this party mm-hmm. scene is incredible. Absolutely. Um, yes. Love that. Just love the I just love the like the dark green of the house. That's yeah. Like a good yeah. 
good green. I a think. good green. I feel like that's a nod to maybe I'm looking into it too much, but just like the Asian um, respect for nature, and you see it in the wedding, and you see it yeah. in how the land is undeveloped. Like yeah. they own this really expensive piece of property, and they've chosen not to develop most of the jungle part because Asian people value nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what I I love all the foliage of this movie. Yeah. It feels like very green and yeah, very alive. I feel like. Yes. Then it's uh. Do they do the bachelor party then? Yes, it's Araminta's bachelorette party. Okay. Yeah. So this is all good. I mean, okay, so yeah, we also learn at the party that Gemma Chan's husband is cheating on her for God knows what reason. He has literally the most beautiful woman in the world that he's married to, and he is somehow cheating on her. I just to their son in French. I don't understand it. She is truly perfect in every way, and yet... In the book, he isn't actually cheating on her, but I guess it made sense that they made it this for the movie. Fun times, a bachelorette party and bachelor party. Yeah, nothing crazy to report about that. Mm -mm. I guess in terms of a love of nature that they are in the middle of the ocean for the bachelor party at least and then they go to like this island that isn't very developed Mm -hmm. as opposed to like the typical western one is to go to vegas which is about as developed as it gets true very true a good contrast the next like significant scene that i really noticed was the dumpling scene yes um which i believe is after all of the good the fun bachelor stuff Mm-hmm. Um, man, what a what a status sequence this is! Yes. If yes. there's ever a status <laughs> sequence, this is this is it. <laughs> Completely, it is it is like a uh, like a British subtext scene on steroids. <laughs> yeah, it really is incredible. Passes the shit out of the Bechdel test. It's true. There you go. Talking about noses. They'll do it. Yeah, auspicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this scene, not only is it, like, a very fun status scene, but it also one that, like, truly underlines the theme. This scene and then into the scene with her and Nick in the car, it's, like, underlining that theme of she is an outsider. Asian Americans are mm-hmm. outside of this family. She's never going to be good enough for Nick. Mm-hmm. Nick tells her, oh, it's hard for you to understand from the outside why my mom didn't have me live with Ama when I was a kid. It's like digging into her. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that, like, Americans tend to think that they're the center of the world and that when they go other places, people are going to worship them. And all of the relatives, all of the cousins speak perfect English. None of them really opted to live in the U.S. besides... Mm -hmm. Henry Golding, and he, that was, like, a scandal. Everyone else was like, I'm going to live in a big city in China, or maybe I'll go to Europe, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely not going to stoop to the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, why would you stoop to us? <laughs> um, yeah. So then the next scene. Then we get our banana scene. 
get a banana scene with the little bok bok. Not one of the funniest lines in the movie. Really doesn't need to be in it, but no. But it was in all the trailers for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we had the fun little dress montage with the Madonna song. I yeah. loved it. I liked a lot of the dresses that they were like, boo. I know. I was, I was like, like, these are all beautiful. Yeah. I loved too when Ken Jong was like, kept trying to push the dress yes. that he wanted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's not going to want a beautiful guy. Did you just say it's from you? <laughs> <laughs> I love the brother. I love when he says I love you. <laughs> yes, also good. And then and then Rachel steps out of the limo and her iconic dress is blue. She's she's showing a lot of skin. Oh, her yeah. hair is like twisted up. It is the dress, the outfit, the look that inspired so many Halloween costumes that year. Yes, it is rightfully so. It is small boob representation, which I have been all about. The girl and normal people, really small boobs. Uh, Kira Knightley in Pride and Prejudice, really small boobs. I love it. I live for it. I need more of it. Thank yes, I agree. Where is our small boob representation? Complete. I was when I watched the Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. I really appreciated that, and I started watching the Colin Firth version. And the woman does not have small boobs, and I already like this version less. Mm-hmm. When on the bachelor boat, on the bachelor party boat, when oh, he's yeah. like, oh, because she has small boobs. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. What Asian woman does it? <laughs> yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Same with our normal people. They're like, oh, you got small tits. I'm like, yeah, it's called not having back problems, bitch. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, I appreciate a, 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 a big-titted woman and a big-titted okay. Asian-American woman. There you go. Just me as an Asian woman. I have small boobs. Small <laughs> boobs. I like it, okay? It's fun for me. It's a real hero's journey. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. Look, do people still think I'm in high school? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do they constantly mistake me at work for one of the kids on our shows? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Am I afraid to get my myself measured because i'm afraid they're gonna tell me i'm a nothing size yeah yeah you betcha say oh actually you don't need a bra (laughs) oh did a woman at a department store say that to me once maybe (laughs) but that's my cross to bear it's my cross to bear that i only need Barely any fabric in the sports group. And we can wear this plunging blue dress. It can show, you know, 60% of our torso, and it it isn't provocative. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I love this wedding scene. It's gorgeous. Everybody always makes fun of the walking on water. It is funny, and I did laugh. It's funny, but it's also... Damn cool, I it's think. Cool. <laughs> it is stunning. Yes. And that they were like, it's like the rice patties. We've mm-hmm. got lanterns. We've got fireflies. Again, a love of nature and water and yeah. elements. And I just think, like, the, it's such a powerful silence before she, like, steps mm. onto the water, which I'm like, ooh, love it. Punctuates it. And also, the movie isn't about her at all. 
but we yeah. still give this moment like it is. Yeah, I know. It's like we're this huge, this huge, gorgeous wedding mm-hmm. when this is like her third scene. <laughs> yes, literally. Yeah, you would think it was Rachel's wedding. I know. That's what I, I guess when I saw the trailers, I was, because I hadn't read the book then, and I was like, oh, like, oh, it's their wedding. But it's not even her wedding. No. (laughs) And that's what I love about it. Yes. They really go all out for this girl. Yeah. They're just like, we're so excited for any Asian people that we're going to give every single person a good scene. And in this one, too, in this scene, too, is like, Rachel does start to fight back against... Mm-hmm. Eleanor, when Eleanor's like, you can't sit with us. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no more rooms here, no more seats here. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, I'm gonna go to that lady over there, and yeah. she's like a princess or something. And then, and they're a princess of economics, economics. Yeah. and microloans, and how women hold up economies. Yes. And Joker walks past the girls from the bachelorette party, and she's like, you're in my way, bitch. And then that girl's like, what? Okay. <laughs> Yes. That's right. Yeah. It's a very powerful scene. And then poor oh poor Astrid though. Yes. Is like arrives alone from but the she fight in the clone. She arrives with her grandmother oh. to distract from the fact that her husband isn't with her because she's exactly. a genius. She is a, she's so smart. Literally so smart. But like when when they're when Rachel and Nick are like making eyes with each other and they're like, I love you, la la. Yeah. And yeah. then Eleanor sees it and she's like, huh? And then we cut to our other woman who is like, like crying. Together, yeah, yeah. is like trying to hold together because her marriage just fell apart and she's yeah. at a wedding. Like, yeah. Oh, just stings. Yeah. And then it all comes crashing down. And a third act, all is lost moment. We have the private investigator for Rachel's family. We have even the grandmother turns on her. I we have she gets mad at Nick. Find out that she they think she lied because she said her father died when she was you know, before maybe yeah. She was a baby or whatever. But turns out her mother was having an affair, so they say, and left her husband mm-hmm. and went to the US. But Rachel didn't know this, so it's not even like you can blame her and say that she lied because she didn't even know. Yeah. And then she's like, I don't want to be part of your family. Nick wants to go after her. Amma says, if you go, then you can't come back. And then he goes. Yeah. He finally stands up to him. Yeah. Also, sorry, Nick is such a bad boyfriend. Like, he (laughs) should her. He should have stood up to his fit. Like, I would have been so pissed at Nick. He's lucky he's hot. Because that would have been really mad. He was not a good boyfriend in this. That's one of the things I think about this movie, this adaptation, is that in the book we get, you know, a chapter from Nick's perspective, a chapter from Rachel's perspective. But here we're, like, really focusing in on Rachel's point of view as the outsider in this world. Mm-hmm. So I think I think a lot of that gets lost for Nick of like we don't see maybe behind the scenes what he's trying to do so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He yeah, he should have done more, absolutely, but you know well, what can, what can you do? Done? We gotta isolate our protagonists. So what can you do? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we truly, it's a long movie. We did not have time for a Henry Golden <laughs> scene. Besides yeah. him proposing. But hey, we'll give a full wedding to Arminta. <laughs> yeah, a long, full song ceremony. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so then she goes to Pakelin's to hide out for a little bit. Uh, the, and then her mom comes, and this scene always makes me cry. This is, like, where I start truly fully crying. I cry a little bit at the wedding, but then this is, like, where I start to cry. Mm-hmm. Is when her mom comes and explains everything to her. Yeah. Uh, just the love her mom has. And also, if I were this mom, I would be like, holy shit, it was not these strangers' place to say this to my daughter. But yeah, like, excuse me, that's my life. Yes, excuse me, that's my life. But and now like, hey. he might, this guy might find them now because of these people. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, he endangers them. Yeah. But she's like, I just love my daughter, so I'm going to set that aside. Yeah. And then Nick proposes to Rachel. Yes. And we cut to Eleanor walking into the Mahjong. Yes. And we have arrived at the infamous Mahjong sequence. A sequence that isn't in the book. <laughs> Not in the book, no. <laughs> but a great, very good, a very good scene. Compl- I imagine it's many people's, like, top five. Yeah. It's uh, it's another really great status scene from, mm-hmm. these, from these two women. Um, so, yeah, we return to this notion of don't play to win, mm-hmm. play not to lose. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we find out that Rachel is doing. Not only in the game of Mahjong, she has the winning hand, but she yeah. gives it up to Eleanor to show her power. She yeah. gives up Nick to, again, show her power, that she mm-hmm. had all the cards. Mm-hmm. And she's not... If she won, she would have Nick. She would be engaged to him, but it's not a true win because he would never get to see his family again. Yeah. And also, you know, maybe Eleanor would have gotten used to her, but she never would have really respected her as a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so she chooses not to lose and make the choice for him. And this is a scene that, that Eleanor makes also. I mean, she could just win, you know, we see in the next scene. She could just win. She has her son. She doesn't, and not Rachel. Mm-hmm. She could take the W, but she knows she'll never get Nick, right? So she just decides not, you know, better not to lose both things. Yeah. yeah. So. I think yeah. that's an important theme that comes back. And then we see it with Astrid, like, right after that. Yes. So, yeah, and that also wasn't in the book, but I liked it. Yeah, it gives her agency, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah, Nick proposes, and, and they have that the party, and then they see each other in the crowd, and I want to cry every time. And then they see the star of the show, Harry Shum Jr., <laughs> Like, top build. <laughs> Absolutely. Manager of a lifetime. Truly. Well done, agents and managers. Because that is impressive to get that billing for. 
a post-credit sequence. <laughs> no lines. Yeah. I think um, Jim Ashwood said it best in the Glee episode of Don't Drop the, uh, Drop the Mic. When she said, uh, you must be so proud of our culture and its representation for the 15 seconds you were in Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> yeah. I did rewatch that after I watched the movie. It's a good moment. But yeah, I think this is a, I mean, it's a great, it's a great comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's billed as a rom-com. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think it's so much more than a rom-com mm-hmm. because I feel like the love isn't totally ro- like the love that runs through this movie isn't romantic mm-hmm. you know but it's like the familial love mm-hmm. that they're you know vying to get into the family vying to be mm-hmm. accepted by the family because i feel like we know rachel and and nick are gonna be fine yeah. together yeah i mean it's dicey there at the end but he does go after her so we're not like super worried about yeah not know, really interesting because the stakes are more like but the family will the family like her and so i feel like it's it's a familial love and i feel like that is specific to asian culture and i think that's a, an element at least of my asian family it's like a very strong familial love and importance mm-hmm. of of family completely completely and of like generations and generational respect for elders for a mother for a grandmother Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for being billed as a, a romantic comedy, a lot of people hailed this like as the return of romantic comedy um, to the big budget world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all I could keep thinking about when I was watching this is like, look at this full Asian cast in mm-hmm. a like major movie. Mm-hmm. Truly, for amazing. the first time, in truly since before we were born. Yeah. 25 years since then since joy luck club which we should we should watch for this i'm scared it's gonna be sad but it is sad it is not a comedy <laughs> that i know <laughs> i think about i read the book and i think about the one where the brother drowns truly constantly. <sighs> yeah i think about the one where she's like a concubine and just like yeah that's not ideal yeah but yeah, then we got Crazy Rich Asians, and then I truly regularly refer to things as pre and post Crazy Rich Asians. There's such a stark difference to the point where I really I think that Asian representation was kind of a three pronged problem before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. One prong, we kept giving um, white women Asian roles. Two, there was truly no representation of Asian people, and three if I had to guess, is an Asian person going to win the Oscar for Best Actor or Best Actress next year? The answer is an emphatic no. Mm-hmm. And now we're down to two prongs. There's plenty of Asian representation. Genuinely, I, know. I feel like one of the problems has absolutely been fixed. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's it's incredible. Just, the like, it opened a floodgate of Literally. Of Asian American media, I mean, we changed our podcast because of Crazy Rich Asians. Because we started it before Crazy Rich for like Mm a year and a half before that. And then if it had been a review podcast back then, it would have been an hour of silence every week until (laughs) the movie came out. Yeah, truly. I mean, like, there's so many things came out as like a direct result, like Jessica Mm -hmm. Gao getting a deal with ABC to write. 
I think it was called like tentatively titled Crazy Poor Asians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kevin Kwan sold a TV show that had like a similar setting to mm-hmm. HBO, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sequel was mm-hmm. picked up. I picked up. I don't know. Yeah. It's a movie, but... Um, I mean, and all of them went on to be... Sonomi Zeno was the star of two other things. Gemma yeah. Chan was in a Marvel movie. Aquafina got her own show. Anne was in The Farewell and hosted SNL gonna... for the first time. Lucy yeah, Liu. and she's going to be in a Marvel movie, too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Henry Golding had two white love interests. Movies where he had white love interests. One was Blake Lively. Yeah. I mean, Pen15... I yeah. mean, it's incredible just, like, the surge of Asian-led and Asian-American, like, specific mm-hmm. movies. Because this movie touched on such an important theme in Asian... That is important to Asian-Americans, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That they're like, oh, you guys... Oh, you guys have something that is, like, different. Okay, let's let's tap into this whole world of themes and stories. Yes. And also, I mean, you know... The reason that it worked isn't because it got white executives to start seeing Asian people as humans. It's because it got white executives to see that Asian people make money. Oh, absolutely. Um, Which I'm kind of like, sorry, dude. It was really obvious. Asian people are the second largest group that uh, drive box office sales after Latino people. Asian people, like, the data was there for a long time. So they had to be actively, like it isn't worth the money that we'll make. We hate them so much or something. I don't know, but... Yeah. Who the information was there for a long time. But yeah. I'm glad that it worked. Um, I almost... I wonder if Parasite would have gotten the traction that it got if there hadn't been, you know, the groundwork of... Yeah. Probably, because Roma won. Um, Good. Yeah. And I feel like Latino people have not gotten to have the same like renaissance that asian americans have had yeah absolutely yeah it's truly i feel like it was surprising what came out of crazy rich asians i feel like we were very as a community very lucky that this movie did make so much money and that our community did go out and support it in theaters Mm -hmm. which like roma yeah it was big but it wasn't a theatrical movie you know Mm -hmm. it played in in as many theaters for as long as it needed to be considered yeah. for the Oscars, but it wasn't and a no blockbuster. Oscar people were like, we shouldn't let Netflix be in the Oscars. Like, it got right. pushed back after it won. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we are very lucky as a community to get this huge blockbuster comedy that made so much money. I mean, we're still waiting for another one, I think, mm-hmm. that has a majority-led Asian cast. Well, we had always um, be my baby. That's true. Yeah, that's that. I mean, we'll have to do that one too because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a, a another huge blockbuster theatrical running movie, I yeah. think we'll we'll still probably wait a bit for that. Um, but on TV, I mean, true, and Netflix and streamers, yeah, a, a real renaissance happened. I mean, my at the time they would have been like. 86 and 88 year old grandparents went to this movie that's how important and like huge it was yeah yeah 
Wow. I didn't, I wonder if my grandparents, but my mom saw it, you know? Mm-hmm. My mom saw Parasite, which she was like, it was scary, and I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> I'll see it, because I'm Asian. Uh, I think my mom liked this Parasite. Uh, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. We all watched it recently. Last yeah. time I was there. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good so, stuff. Thank you, Crazy Rich Asians, for truly... I mean, it just made an insane difference. Just such a tangible difference. I, I, I have said to people, like, there's stand-up that I used to do that after Crazy Rich Asians didn't make sense to do anymore because there were complaints that I made that were no longer true. Yeah. It's just pretty... Pretty, I feel like, lucky that we are able to see that fully change. Yeah, so quickly. Like, truly, the movie came out, like, two years ago, and we're already, like, parts of this seem dated. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Um, what would you rate it? I have five gongs for just being a good movie. And I remember both you and I at the time were, like, I'm so relieved that it was good. We were going to be, you know, fans of it regardless, but thank God we don't have to, like, pretend. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is one of my, now, one of my all-time favorites, so, I mean, 100%. Five gongs. (laughs) Yeah. Five Cambodian gongs. Five Cambodian. Oliver found for us. Yes. Um, Yeah. Five, uh handmade dumplings in terms of representation <laughs> well maybe five with an asterisk because of the aquafina thing and the using brown people as yes. set decoration absolutely but i mean it is the single it has made a bigger cultural impact for asian american representation than any other piece of media yeah interesting when we do joy luck club is we should look at and try and see if we can find what came immediately after this, or after that movie, if it made any sort of impact the way Crazy Rich did, and if there, if it just, like, died out, or if there were no resulting projects to the yeah, job. Totally. We should. Interesting. Maybe it was too soon after the Korean War or something. Who knows? Or Vietnam. Who knows? Just racist people, so... You know, yeah. what can you do? You know, the 90s, no for being too soon after the Vietnam War. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Famously, that's what people think of when we think of the 90s. Oh. Yeah, so thank you, uh, John M. Chu. Thank you, Kevin Kwan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just well done all around. Except for our asterisk notes about this movie. Yes. Which I think do need to be considered in, in the importance of it at a cost to, mm-hmm. to communities. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely have been bummed if I were like, you know, a South Asian, Singaporean, and I don't know. And I was like, this is my representation. Well, okay. I'll take yeah. it because I have to, but I'm not pleased. Yeah. But say lovey. Say lovey. It was the first step, and it was paving the way for better, more nuanced stuff to come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, Lulu Wong 
in the with her movie The Farewell is a great next big biggish indie movie for Asian representation. So yeah, we could do. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, oh, which character did you identify with? I mean, definitely Rachel, and I think I mean I just identify with her feeling outsider mm-hmm. in a, in what's supposed to be you know the culture she's supposed to come from you know, and then them not accepting her, and it, yeah, I just think that whole theme is very like I'm glad that they were able to bring that out in a rom com. You know, and have that be, like, the major theme of the movie, because yeah. I think that's such an important part of Asian American culture. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so. I mean, same, Rachel, and also Henry Golding when everyone got mad that they cast a half-white person to be in the yeah. movie. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that when they're on that scene, the, in the scene where they're on the plane, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like you're mad that this guy is yeah. an Asian? The fuck is wrong with you? I'm looking at him right now, and he's Asian. Of course. He's, what are you talking about? Absolutely. Yeah. I understand, like, uh, people being upset that maybe they were like, oh, you know, this Asian guy's only hot if he's also white. I think that is, like, a valid thing to be insecure about. Um, but I'm also like, this guy isn't getting white roles. He is, you know, being denied casting for being Asian just as much as a full Asian person is. No yeah, one's looking and, at him like he's white. And I'm also like, okay, but did you look at all of the other men in this movie that are Asian? Like, they f- they do have tons of Asian men. Like, they were just specifically looking for a Henry Golding type for, mm-hmm. for Nick. Mm-hmm. Totally. And now he does get cast and stuff where he doesn't have to be Asian. True. Like, uh, what's that one that came out Christmas? Last Christmas. Last Christmas. I like that movie. Yeah. I mean, a simple favor. He's great in that movie. There's that movie that's, it's called, like, The Gentleman or something. And it's like, I didn't see it, but I will, because I love him and I love Michelle Dockery. I hear it's a not super great with race stuff so that's report back <laughs> yeah. um i'll just find the scenes that he is in only on like pornhub or something i guess <laughs> yeah love crazy Asians. um next week we'll be reviewing the meg just kidding we'll think of something <laughs> it's always the meg guys if you want to watch along watch the meg watch right. the meg be sure to watch the meg every single week this is a the meg podcast cool well thank you everyone for listening Bye. Bye. Half Asian, half hour. Half Asian, half hour.